Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Disagreements are going to happen, but they don't have to balloon into a relationship ending conflict. If we will stay true to the Lord and remember that we belong to the Lord, we will find that choosing to stay full of the joy of the Lord will allow us to get over anything. Episode 27 is called, Remember Who You Are. Way back when I worked with the boys group at my church, one of the stories I would tell was called The Grasshopper That Started a War. It was set in early America, and it involved two boys from different villages who were playing together. One boy captured a large grasshopper and began to play with it. The other boy tried to take it away from him, and a fight ensued. Their moms heard the ruckus and ran in to intervene. Both moms blamed the other boy for starting the altercation, and soon the moms began to fight. Then, of course, the dads stepped in to defend their wives. And, soon enough, the folks from the two towns got involved, and the situation escalated into a full-blown, ugly name-calling and physical battle between towns that went on for years, all because of a grasshopper. Little disagreements, if not dealt with properly, can very easily escalate into really destructive behavior. Paul knew this, and when he heard that two of the good folks of the Philippian church were involved in a kerfuffle, he responded quickly to appeal to them to settle things quickly and peacefully. Today, I'm reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Iodia and Syntyche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. It is made very clear throughout this letter to the Philippians that Paul has a special bond of affection with them. He is grateful for them, and he is protective of them, and he rejoices in them. And all of this is because what connects each of them is the realization that they are in this life together because they are in the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is their bond, their strength, and their joy. Paul refers to the Lord three times in these first four verses. First, he exhorts them to stay true to the Lord. In any relationship worth keeping, faithfulness is understood to be essential. 
When I've done premarital counseling, I always ask at some point, what could your future spouse do that would be impossible for you to forgive? The answer they always give is that they couldn't forgive cheating. Then I ask them if they will pledge to each other that they will not invoke the threat of divorce for any reason other than cheating. But you know, marriages regularly dissolve for reasons that fall far short of sexual infidelity. We see too many times that someone will pledge till death do us part and then leave as soon as the excitement wears off. That's not being true to the marriage commitment. I've also seen people who have an encounter with Jesus and for a while they are excited to follow him, but when difficult times come, they lose that enthusiasm and sadly they drop out. They have not stayed true to the Lord. Paul had gone to Philippi to share the good news of salvation in Jesus and these folks had responded. Paul taught them and set them up as a family of believers before he moved on. He had continued his relationship with them as a friend and a mentor. They were clear evidence of God's call on his life, and seeing them do well even while he was imprisoned was a source of joy and great encouragement for him. When he told them that they are his joy and the crown he received for his work, he was not referring to the crown of a king, because he was not their king. He was their spiritual mentor. Today, we give trophies to the winners of contests, but in Paul's day, the victor of the contest received a crown to symbolize their victory. Paul saw the thriving Philippian church as a trophy of God's grace given to him by the Lord. It is no surprise, then, that Paul wanted more than anything that they would stay true to the Lord. If they had fallen away from their faith in Jesus while he was unable to go to them, that would have compounded his misery exponentially. After Paul exhorts them to stay true to the Lord, he reminds a couple of ladies that they belong to the Lord and encourages them to act like it. Every believer and every body of believers goes through ups and downs. Challenges and defeats naturally occur alongside victories. Paul knew that the Philippians were no different than anyone else, and that they had not gone through a severe test yet, but that it would come at some point. So when Paul became aware of a dust-up between two of the women in the church who he knew to be good people, he addressed it immediately from his position of friend and mentor. Two ladies, Yodia and Syntyche, were having a disagreement. We don't know what it was about, and we really don't need to know, because every church that has a season of growth and success will encounter person-to-person challenges. Usually, they come in the form of two people or groups of people who carry influence in the local church who disagree on something. It is rare that the disagreement occurs over something big, like a doctrinal or denominational issue. It is more likely to happen over something preferential or territorial, like a classroom assignment, or who gets to make a decision on some matter, or a program that doesn't get the desired amount of attention or funding. If left unchecked, 
the opponents usually recruit supporters to their cause in an attempt to gain a majority of support and then warn others, you know, a lot of people feel this way. Sometimes these situations work themselves out, and sometimes they don't. Disagreements over the smallest and silliest issues can eventually cause real damage to a church's momentum and their reputation in the community. Paul is trying to forestall any lasting consequences to this disagreement. Notice that he appeals to them by name. He doesn't order them to kiss and make up or to hug it out. And by addressing both of them, he doesn't appear to take sides. He knows both ladies personally and knows how faithful and valuable they have been to the mission of the church. And since he knows that they belong to the Lord's team, he reminds them of that fact. When our eyes are focused on Jesus, we should be able to let small things go. Rarely are disagreements clear-cut where one person is 100% right and the other one is 100% wrong. Most issues that cause division and disunity relate to preferences or points of view and have no bearing whatsoever on eternity. I believe that Satan gets great joy when he can cause friction between two people or groups of people that have worked together effectively in the past and thereby halt forward movement for the cause of Christ. I love that Paul doesn't chastise or demean these ladies. He holds them in high esteem and gives them a chance to remember who they are and who they belong to and work out their differences. So after encouraging the church to stay true to the Lord and reminding them that they belong to the Lord, Paul tells them to be full of the joy of the Lord. The way Paul says this makes me believe that he is telling them that being full of joy is a choice that is ours to make and not an outcome to be hoped for. He tells them to rejoice and let everyone see by our actions that we believe that Jesus is coming soon. Remember, in the early days of the New Testament church, they were not popular. The traditional Jewish leaders thought that they were a false religion, and they were also under Roman political rule, which was antagonistic toward Christians. So Paul wasn't saying that they had reason to be joyful because of political power or great financial blessings. The believer can choose to be full of joy because of the calm confidence that comes with receiving eternal life through salvation in Christ. Everything that happens in this life, whether we like it or not, gives us an opportunity to represent Jesus well. And I know that I've said this in just about every episode of this study of Philippians, but Paul is writing this encouragement to be filled with joy from a Roman jail. His freedom had been taken away. His rights had been violated. He had plots against his life. But he made the choice to stay true to the Lord, and he remembered that he belonged to the Lord, and that enabled him to stay full of the joy of the Lord. And so can we. Yes, our world is so angry, but we can stay full of the joy of the Lord. We can get bad news but we can stay full of the joy of the Lord. We might be mistreated, but we can stay full of the joy of the Lord. 
It's our choice. And if we stay true to the Lord and never forget that we belong to the Lord, then being full of the joy of the Lord is an easy choice to make. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the I'm Still Learning podcast. If you find this podcast interesting, won't you please share it with a friend? Also, let me know what you think. Find me on Facebook or Instagram under my name, Randy Whitlow, or send an email to rbwhitlow at me.com. Until next week, I'm Randy Whitlow, and I'm still learning.